0: Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Christianity is actually about Christ. <laughs> Maybe church should be too. We just, we just want to know Jesus and Him crucified. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to gather, to make you the focal point of our hearts and our minds, because we know that whatever your spirit is allowed to touch flourishes into life. Amen? You know, you think about that. It's not like God is trying to hide from you. You know? He kind of teaches us in Mark 4 that our heart, where we are, our confidence toward him, not confidence in our faith, but our confidence toward him, which is what Christianity is. He's standing there. You're looking at him, and you're believing in what he did. Amen? Amen. Say, so it's about Jesus. Amen. And then, what we, I think what we miss is the lifestyle of letting that then touch our lives. Because from it's like, yep, Jesus, thank you, appreciate that. And then we go over here and we take back control, and you know we—it's like we've—you ever you ever been throughout going throughout your day, and then also it's like you remember that God is there. It's like oh you oh yeah that Jesus guy you know something about maybe I should pray right now, and then you feel guilty or something. You know that that's not what He wants. He just wants to be right there with you, flowing through you, constantly encouraging you and strengthening you, giving you His wisdom. He created this place for us to enjoy because he wanted a family. Amen? Amen? Man, I've got I could go in about 18 different directions right now. I've got 18 messages. I almost forgot my iPad. Maybe I'll stick to my notes. I say stick to your notes and we'll get this show on the road. Anyway, you know, it's just it's just all about letting letting go the pain, the hurt, the worry, the fear, the failures, all the stuff in realizing whatever the life of God touches reflects that life. You know, think about that for just a minute. What do you think happens? If you could take, if you had a flashlight that could shine the presence of God and you put it on something, what would it do to that thing? I mean, literally, would it, just, would it just, oh, now I can see it, or, or would it actually affect it? You know what I mean? My, my daughter's got this putty stuff that uh, is it's UV activated. Anybody's, anybody's kids stumble upon this stuff? Your kids have it, your kids have it. It's weird, but it's like, so there's this little light that you take and you can draw designs on it or poke it or whatever, and it's like clear but then it'll, it'll glow based on the UV that you've added to it. And so she took it out in the sun, and just the sun UV activity started to change it. Man, I'm telling you what, God started speaking to me. He's like, you know, it's not like he's just an invisible, intangible idea that's out there, and then once we die, we get to go spend time with him. No, he's alive, Amen. in this moment, active right now. Amen? Amen? Touching you. Touching your life. And and because we're in this dominion, humankind dominion version of this life right now, you have to choose to co-labor with him. I don't mean you have to perform to get him to show up. You don't have to tithe your money in the right place to get him to bless your finances. He's seeking to bless you. Amen? It's just a matter of acknowledging him. Acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Set your heart on him. Behold him, and your life will begin to reflect him. It's it's kind of a secret of, like, spirit-led living. You know, we've made spirit-led living. It's like information. God, give me something that I can tell people, and they'll be really impressed with me. It's like, no, his spirit is alive. That's like trying to take credit for the sun or something, you know. I know we're just growing in his kingdom. We're just yielding to him, letting him influence us, letting his grace lead us and teach us. Amen? Amen. Man. Well, um, you know, I just wanted to stick on this theme of the gospel. Last week I just started talking about the gospel. Let's look at that in Romans um, 1, 115. You can flip over or just look up on the screen here. Can you see the screen? Everybody see the screen? Mm-hmm. Romans 1.15. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also, for I am not ashamed. Say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, a lot of people, they think that, all right, well, yeah, we got that gospel foundation laid. Now let's go on to the more spiritual stuff. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, the more you are rooted in the knowledge of who Christ is in you and what, who you are in him, you should display all the gifts and all the power. But you know what? It's about Jesus. It's about knowing his love for us inwardly and being so full of that that any outward ministry you do is driven by that. Have you ever, you ever done ministry from a different place? Or you've you know you've tried to tell you've tried to communicate the gospel or or whatever you know even if it's just loving on your kids that's ministry for a lot of us but it's like there's kind of emptiness in there and you just you know it's like oh you know i got to be I, I'm 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 legally a parent today so I guess I should wake up and feed them you ever feel like that sometimes you know <laughs> even that kind of ministry it's like but you know what when you can shift your attention toward the love of God for you as evidenced in Jesus, and you are aware of his fatherhood and your place in his family and the acceptance that he has for you, that's where ministry comes from. That's where love for your spouse comes from. That's where love for your community and your kids and service and any of that comes from. You know, don't do it unless you are overwhelmed on the inside knowing the presence and love of God for you. Otherwise, it's like it's either flesh or you're just trying to impress people or it's an obligation, a legalistic thing you feel like you've got to do. You know, just, just stop. God's well pleased with you if Christ is in you. Amen. Amen. Amen? Let his love well up inside of you, and it's the gospel. It's the good news. So let's just finish this scripture here. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, Jew first and also the Greek. And salvation, most of you know, means healing, wholeness, restoration, deliverance, rescue, preservation. It does mean salvation. This version of the word actually includes prospered. And a really cool phrase that's deep down in the Thayer's lexicon is delivered from messianic judgment. That's a big one. A lot of us are afraid of God, wondering what's going to happen. And, and the way it comes out is like this. Something begins to go wrong in your life, and all of a sudden in the back of your mind you start thinking, mm, I wonder if God's punishing me for what I did. You ever... Don't raise your hand. But you know what I'm saying? That, that, that sense of as soon as something goes wrong in your life you look at it and you start trying to judge God based on your circumstance and you start re-identifying yourself in that situation and then you get all mixed up and it's like, oh my goodness, no, wait a minute. Let me snap out of it. Jesus took my judgment. Now, does that mean you should just run out and sin? No. In fact, it should compel the opposite behavior, right? You should want to protect that holiness that he's placed within you. And that's what grace does. That's what knowing and being full of the love of God will do. It will teach you to live in full agreement with what he's done on the inside of you. You know, for far too long, the world has spe- experienced Christianity or, you know, the message from the church in a legalistic perspective. It's like pointing outside this is what's going on in your life. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. And it's like, no, get to the heart of that person. Let's get that person connected with the Lord in their heart. And then the external stuff will get cleaned up. It just, that's just the way it happens. So it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. Do you believe? Verse 17. For in it, in what? The gospel, the good news of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is what we're talking about. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the righteousness of God is revealed. You know, there's, I'm gonna go through just a few basic passages in Romans today because Christi- this is not what Christianity is. You sitting in a row watching one dude run his mouth. That's not what it's about. What it's about is hopefully what this dude is preaching and you connect with in your heart, and then you apply Jesus in every area of your life. That's why we're here. Amen? Amen? So, But you do have some areas that you need to work on a little bit. Don't we? We have some areas where we look at it and we say, you know what, I think God would want this part of my life better for me and for him. And I'm not just talking about behavior. I'm talking about ultimately experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy. You know, in whatever situation, the reason it's difficult is because you've either lost your joy, your peace, or you don't know you're safe and secure in him in that moment. You start feeling on shaky ground. That's the fruit more than anything we want birthed in us from the gospel, from hearing the gospel, righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen? If that's the environment of your heart, man, you can face anything, can't you? It doesn't matter what happens. You've got that peace inside of you. Your heart will be clear to hear his direction and his leading, and you just know you're safe in him. This is what the world needs to hear. See, you guys know this stuff, right? Y'all already got this stuff all down. But our friends and family out there, they need to hear this stuff, right? So we come in here, it's kind of like we touch base, and we get encouraged and reminded, all right, yeah, that guy that I've been working with, I think now it's time for me to kind of take this step and kind of just love, you know, I love hearing the stories. You know, God didn't create you to go into the ministry. You realize that, right? (coughs) It's not like you're sitting there waiting for God to call you to the ministry and then your purpose is fulfilled. This is message 7B. Hang on, give me a second here. I'll run this rabbit trail for just a minute. but I, I just want you to know that. You were created to be a child. That's why God wanted you. Didn't, didn't have this blueprint in heaven that he needed you to come down here and do a job for him. And I've asked this before, and there's always that one guy, but how many of you had kids to work for you? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. You got like nine... How many kids? Nine. Nine. <laughs> Some of them do work for but... him. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have your kids so they'd do a job for you. It was, it was an expression of love for the purpose of enjoying family. God's the exact same way. Your purpose is not defined in what you do. And I realize we've been taught that. You, go take, you take the gifts course, right? Find out the one thing that you do really well, better than everybody else, and that's what you were created to do. So I wasn't created to do. I was created to be. And because this world is broken and because I have responded to God's love and because I'm letting that love spill out from me onto other people, all of us collectively, this is our process, then the calling is defined in the love that we have toward people. You know, your calling is not defined by what God pre planned in heaven for you to come do. It's defined by who do you love now that you're here? Amen. Amen. Do you love young girls that are being sold into slavery? You know what I mean? Find out a way to reach those people. Do you love kids that don't have meals on the weekends? Reach those people. You know, do you have love for the for the guy that has to work all weekend long and never gets to go to church or never gets to have any of that and never even would go to church, you know, that guy, kind of that man's man kind of guy, reach that guy. That's how you define your calling. Your heart just is overwhelmed for these people, what that people group is. So, all of that comes out of us knowing the love of God for us. Reshifting our consciousness of who we think God is, how we see him. You know, it's kind of our mission is change the way people see God. We want people to know that he's a loving father that has good plans for you, that wants to deposit Jesus into your spirit, make you a new creature, and then lead you and cultivate that spirit continually within you for you to experience transformation and reflect his glory. Amen. Amen. I mean, more, more than you are a slave or a, uh, you know, employee doing a job for God, you are a tree planted in his garden to grow and bear the fruit of the kingdom to nourish and feed other people. But you have to know who you are in him to take it easy a little bit. Say, take it easy. (laughs) You know, because, man, we just get so wound up about feeling like we're not doing enough, don't we? So I just want to reaffirm to you who you are in him. Kind of re reestablish, and you guys know this but just keep continually wash your mind and your heart of who you are in him. Because I know what's going to happen when you yield. When you believe the truth about who you are in him, I know what happens. You can't contain it. You can't help yourself because that's just what the Spirit of God does. It It just explodes into life. See, our task is not... How do I figure out to get my kid to do this? How do I start making money where I'm not experiencing this debt? How do I reach these people? It's how can God manifest and glorify himself through me that then spills out as fruit to this, whatever this is. Amen? Amen. Because the solution is Christ in you, not some information that you get and then you know what to do in this task. Now, that's the fruit. That can be the fruit. You get the information after you take the time to assure your heart of who you are in him. You should, it should turn into wisdom. It should turn into changing your behaviors, you know, outward sanctification, and there is a leading, and you put that sickle in, and you reap that harvest of the kingdom manifesting through you, but I, I think that automatically happens the more confident you are of what he's done in you. Honestly, I don't want to take a lot of time to start preaching what you ought to do and what you should do and all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, the Holy Spirit's a better teacher than I am. I think I'll trust him for you and help you remember who you are in him. Righteousness is as you ought to be. You ever have people tell you, well, you know what you ought to do is this. <laughs> See, what you need to do is, well, like, no, what I ought to do is remember who I am in Christ. So I don't ought on you. <laughs> but that's what righteousness means, as you ought to be. Think about that for a minute. You ever feel like you're not who you're supposed to be? Like you're not doing enough? Righteousness would say, Christ in you makes you right. That doesn't mean that your external, destructive, sinful behaviors are okay. We're talking about who you are in spirit, who you are inwardly, internally, which is the real you, which is the part of you that's going to last forever. The more you nourish that and the more you train that up and the more you live from that identity... Everything else is just overflow. So righteousness. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, we did a little bit of an exercise. I don't know if that was last week or what. Maybe we'll do another one at the end here. You can say things like that and mean it and believe it and not have to qualify it by looking at the external condition of your life because it's spiritually true of you, which means it's eternally true, and it's going to stick. And then that reality, see, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, we behave according to how we think. We will do things that our heart will allow us to do. So if deep down in your heart you think that you're a compromiser in that area, you'll give yourself permission to kind of fudge the lines in that area a little bit. Because it's like deep down, you kind of see yourself as that anyway. See, what understanding the righteousness of God does is it starts to rebuild who you think you are on the inside. So that when you face something and you've got the opportunity to compromise or just downright choose a sinful action, you inwardly, because you know you are the righteousness of God. Your heart says, mm-mm, there's a godly way to fulfill this desire. You know better than that. And see, that's God convicting you of your righteousness. Yeah, he doesn't want, he want that sin in your life, but the, if you know who you are, that will drive what he wants you to be and do. Amen? Amen? The more you understand what Christ did for you and you live in that and you let it affect your mind and your heart, All of this other stuff will change. Religion would have you get that cleaned up, then you can draw close to God. The messier that is out there, the farther God is from you because he's lifting his hand of anointing off of you. No. You have an anointing that is Christ in you and that anointing abides. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can you think of somebody that needs to hear that this week? Not because their life is full of sin, but because they're, they just need some encouragement. They need to know what God did for them. Romans 3, 20. Righteousness also means innocent, faultless, and guiltless. You know, I love in Colossians, it says that he presents us to God holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Religion would say, yeah, but you see that sin in their life, right? Say, yeah, God sees it too. And what he's trying to do is get them to believe who they actually are, and it will change. Amen? Amen. It means approved of God, acceptable to God. Say, because of Jesus, I'm acceptable to God. Now, see, some of you may have been part of a movement where confession was all about trying to force God's hand or something. You know, it's like the more I confess it, the more God's got to show up and make it happen. Uh-huh. He's already given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Confession is about convincing and persuading your own heart of who and what he is. That's how you grow great faith, as you stand there and you look at Jesus and you... You remind yourself of what he did. You become confident in him. And it will be reflected back into your heart. You need confidence in an area? Look at him and where he is in that area. And as you behold him, you're transformed. You are transfigured into that image. That's that's if there's mystery, that's the mystery how that happens. You remember the story where uh, Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and it was Peter, and James, and John, it was the three of them, right? Just making sure. I didn't go back and, I think it was three of them, yeah. And so they see Jesus speaking with Moses and Elijah. And he starts glowing. I mean, think about, imagine if I just started glowing. (laughs) You know, because... We, we put the rose-colored Bible glasses on, and we think, well, of course Jesus glowed. He glowed all, the, you know, but I, no, we're talking about a man. We talked about that last week. It says in Isaiah that there was nothing special about him outwardly that you'd look at him and say, God. You know, until he started doing all the miracles. But I mean, he just was a man standing there. And that word for transfigured, is the exact same word used where it says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's transfigured. As you renew your mind to be in agreement with what Christ has done in you, you are transfigured. How, how far will you take that? You know, I'm not going to create the, the glowing church doctrine. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like we get weird with when, when the spiritual stuff happens in the Bible and we start trying to make up all this stuff about uh, what we think we know about it. No. Transfigured. I mean, I want to give you a little bit of time to think about it and let it sink in. You know, I don't want to just disseminate information to you. I want this to be a heart journey. As you renew your mind... Jesus, my Lord, my King, my Savior, my Provider, you, let's say you've got a sin habit. You're tired of it. You don't want it anymore. You're sick of the guilt. Jesus, you are my righteousness. Yes. Your grace is alive within me. Right. You have set me free from the law of sin and death. I am under your grace, which is way more powerful than this opportunity to choose sin in this moment. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what it looks like, but God, I believe you're alive within me. I believe Jesus, you are my righteousness. Your grace does teach me how to live holy. You know, if you did that in the midst of the next time you've got the opportunity to tread off into whatever destructive behavior, what would happen? and and expect that presence to actually do something within you because he's alive. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. See, if you're more focused on the sin, this is why communion has been robbed from the church. We've made it about sin rather than celebrating him. If you're standing in His presence, which is really all the time, but if you're acknowledging Him and you're communing with Him and you're communicating with Him and you're praying and you're more aware of your sin than you are of His grace, and just for the record, grace is empowerment. not Mercy and grace aren't the same thing. Mercy says you're forgiven. Because I have mercy on you, I forgive you. Grace says, nope, here's some power so you don't fall into that stuff. It's a strengthening of your inner man. So, But if you're thinking of him, if you're praying and you're more aware of your sin, you're more holding yourself to the standard of the law whereas you're supposed to make him happy with what you do. No, bring it all back to Jesus. He's happy with you because you're in Jesus. Now live from that. 21, now the righteousness, the right standing, me being good with God... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Does that mean the law is bad? No. Does that mean we should throw it away? No. It's not like, okay, now that I'm under grace, I can run out and commit adultery. No. That grace is not going to violate any of the revealed word and law of God ever. It's just that you don't look to the law for your righteousness. You don't look to the law to define who you are any longer because all it's going to show you is where you've missed it. How many of you have ever had a police officer pull you over and give you a candy bar for driving really, really well? (laughs) The law doesn't do that. We got a couple officers in here. You ever done that? You're an officer, aren't you? You ever done that? All all the time. (laughs) How many of you ever had an officer pull you over and give you a ticket? Okay, yeah. That's what the law does. It establishes the boundaries and keeps those boundaries. And there's punishment if you cross that boundary, right? And it's not that you're free from experiencing the fruit of your actions, but you're not relating to God, and God is not relating to you any longer as a lawyer or as an officer. It's as a father now, giving you grace because his spirit lives in you. You can trust him. Amen? Amen. Now the righteousness has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And they're justified by His grace as a gift. I mean, don't you want to protect that gift? through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God put forth as a propitiation by his blood. Propitiation means to satisfy the wrath. The wrath that God had toward your sin was put on Jesus and in him. We'll get there. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness as a, at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You've probably read this dozens of times, but Christianity is about rebuilding your identity in your mind and in your soul and how you see yourself and how you make choices to be in agreement with how God sees you. You got things you need to change in your life? See yourself the way he sees you through what he's done for you, Romans 4, 5. And I'm just showing some highlights here. and to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies everybody that's perfect. Who does he justify? What? Man, church, we've, we've, we've kind of misrepresented God in some ways the body of Christ. No, you got to get cleaned up, then he'll love you. No, you got to get that problem taken care of, then he can bless you. No. He died for you when you were dead in your sin. How much more now that you're his child does he want to bring blessing into your life? Romans 4, 5 again And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say, I have peace with God. I mean, it's easy to intellectually listen to this and hear this and agree with it, but when life gets hard and that peace is gone and you start wondering where you missed it, no, don't let that kind of mentality creep in because that will drive you away from depending on God in that situation. He's not standing there going, oh, you missed it, and I've got to take two steps back. That was a three-step sin right there, and I've got to step back here. Oh, now I can come four steps closer. You know, it's no. Christ is in you. Amen? And then finally, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And this is so powerful. I think we bring up this concept at least every week. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, for my sake. Personalize this. For our sake, he made him to be sin, to become sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And the rocks cry out. (laughs) Think about that. This is the picture, right? (laughs) It's usually Sam over there. I was was looking for you. What do I do? How do I do? Somebody help him out back there. He's Austin, help him out, he might be. Let the young guy, the one that's under 20 years old, help him. He'll figure it out for him. I mean, it's just intuitive for those guys that age, isn't it? It's all right. That's distracting y'all more than it's distracting me. I don't care. You know, that's the picture, though. You you know, and we talk about it all the time, but, man, it never gets old for me, so y'all just got to deal with it. But under the old covenant, right, you'd bring your sacrifice to the priest, especially on the Day of Atonement. The priest brought the sacrifice, the two goats, right? And what he would do is he would take the sin from the entire nation of Israel and symbolically transfer it onto the goat, and commit the sacrifice after he examined the goat to see if the goat was worthy to be the sacrifice. I mean, when the priest atoned for the sin of Israel on the day of Yom Kippur, he didn't look at all those three million people out there and determine whether they were worthy to be forgiven or not, did he? There might have been one or two in there that weren't. But all of the sin of the nation of Israel was symbolically put onto that goat once a year temporarily. This is the picture that we have of Jesus. Your sin, your darkness was put into Jesus. It wasn't just on him. It wasn't like he just got the, stuck all your sin in a backpack and he put it on him. No, he became your sin. This is the mystery of the exchange that happened. The exchange, that's why there needed to be a sacrifice. Blood needed to be spilled because the life is in the blood. Perfect heavenly blood manifested into this earth to exchange places with sinful, dark human blood. The life is in the blood. There was an exchange of life on that cross and in that grave and in that resurrection. That's what it's about your life being made new because he came and so identified with your death and your sin and your separation from him that he became that and destroyed it so you could become righteous. You know, we we don't really have that hard of a time believing that he became sin. But the other side of that I've been made righteous. See, because we still have righteousness associated with performance and behavior. Don't we? I know you do. You you don't jump up and try to say, hey, I did really well today, God. You need to give me a blessing. The way that I know that you still associate righteousness with your performance is because when something goes wrong, you start wondering what you did to deserve it. Oh, this is in my life. I wonder, I wonder if God, I wonder, you know what I mean? Don't do that. Stop it. Amen. He doesn't, he's not looking at your actions to determine how good of a father he's going to be to you. Amen. Your actions only teach your heart to trust him more or harden your heart to desensitize toward his leading and letting him work in your life. That's why we have to let righteousness that abides within us and that holiness that he's placed within us, let it override and and humble ourselves in our thinking and our desires to trust that he can change us from the inside out. Because you want to protect that place that hears from God. You don't want your heart hardened and desensitized to his life. You need it. So I think let's do the same one last week, you know? Now, I'm going to have you say a statement because, you know, I don't think it's just, I just want, I don't want to just give you information. I want us to have kind of an, uh, an experience in here where when you're out in life and it gets difficult and you need God, you know what to do. Amen. You can do this with, he's my provider, he's my peace, He's my sanctification. He's my wisdom. God, I don't know what to do. I know that you're my wisdom. But right now, He's my righteousness. So just say that. Just say, I am righteous. I am righteous. And then notice how you feel. Where do your thoughts go to? One more time I am, righteous. I am righteous. Do you think about your behavior? Do you think about maybe some system of theology that gets overlaid and you're automatically qualifying that? Or do you think, Jesus, thank you. Oh, God. Man, that feels good, I'm righteous. You know, just say, I'm right with God. Right. Because of Jesus, of course. <laughs> How does it feel? I mean, is it like, ooh, I don't deserve to say that. Or, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Yes, peace. Because it's true. Amen. You are the righteous. Because he became your sin... You became his righteousness. What a scandal. Totally unfair, totally undeserved, but true. Amen. Now, can you live from that place? Do you know how to tap into that inner reality, that truth of who you are in your spirit, and draw on that grace in your heart and let it affect the rest of your life? That, that's the process of transformation. Transformation. That's the only thing that's left for you to do, so to speak, is just continually let his spirit within you transform you so that he's fully glorified in you. Amen? Amen? Jesus, we thank you for your spirit. Again, keep your attention on him. Thank you for giving me your righteousness. Thank you that I'm a joint heir with you. I don't know how to clean myself up, I don't know how to fix this behavior. I don't know how to change that financial situation, but you in me can touch it and change it. Your life flowing in me changes every part about me that needs to change. I trust you. I want to reflect you. I desire for that righteousness to bear fruit within me. I don't don't want to just intellectually know that you became my sin without it actually affecting my life. So in this moment right now, I give you my heart. And I yield my mind to you and my body. Let your righteousness reign within me, Lord. I draw on that spirit that's within me because I believe in you. And I expect Righteousness to birth within me. And it affect everything around me. Thank you, Lord. If you've never done that, you, maybe you've never made that decision. <coughs> maybe for the first time today, you'd say, yeah, my, sounds pretty good. Don't really understand it all, but I'm today I'm willing to say, yes, Jesus, what you did was for me. That's the question. Are, are you willing to say, What you did was for me for the first time. Anybody in here for the first time would answer yes to that. You can just lift up your hand, wave at me. Well, that means we're all brothers and sisters in here. There are people out there that need to hear the gospel. Amen. Are you committed to walking in love?